Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, a Marvel's What If inspired show looking at an alternate universe where the Jets traded Dustin Bufflin and signed Andrew Ladd in 2016? That's right. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. Football is right around the corner. We're just under two weeks away from the season getting started. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game, that's right. All you got to do is head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of just one measly dollar or more, if you want, on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. And if Sportsbook is not available in your state or province, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. And get a free shot at a million dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hello, everybody. Hi. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. So as you heard in the intro, we're getting a little weird in the episode today. I mean, it's basically the last major time-killing episode before things start to get a little real with September coming around, right? I mean, August is just, let's just get through this together here. Um, But for those that don't know and, and why we're doing what we're doing on today's episode, I'm a massive Marvel junkie. Seen all the movies, watched all the shows cried at the end of Endgame, right? Like, you catch my drift here. I'm, I'm, I'm big into Marvel. 
And the latest show to come out of the MCU is called What If? It's a few episodes in, but I mean, basically the premise is looking at what storylines might look like, how the whole story might have changed if history was just altered a little bit at one specific point. So, for example, the first episode was Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter becomes not Captain America, but Captain Carter. And Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Chris Evans, becomes the first Iron Man because of a few different things that happened. I won't get too into it here. Spoiler alert. Probably should have said spoiler alert at the beginning of that. But that, that's kind of what we're talking about. I mean, Black Panther becomes Star-Lord in the second episode and so on and so on. So I think you get the drift, right? And I thought, you know what? This might be a cool idea to transfer over here and look at potential alternate universes or timelines for the Winnipeg Jets and how the team could look today and how the past might have looked as well if things played out just a little differently. So that's what we're going to do here. We're going to pick a moment in time, uh, strictly just 2.0 history. We're not going too far back, uh, but just during Jets 2.0 history and see where things might stand today if a different decision was made. Now, when I started thinking about this, there was really only one moment that stuck out in my mind, and it's where we're going to go here, and I think it's probably, I think the same thing a lot of Jets fans might have picked, how things could have changed very drastically. So that's where we're going to go here. So just sit back and enjoy the ride as we begin our own journey of skates and plates, what if, what if... The Jets had signed Andrew Ladd back in 2016 instead of Dustin Bufflin. It sounds crazy to say now, but this was a legitimate conversation back then. I mean, for those that don't remember, both Andrew Ladd and Dustin Bufflin in 2016, 2015-2016, were headed into the final years of their contracts. And basically it seemed like there was only room for one of them under the cap. You were only going to be able to sign one of the two. The other one was going to head out the door somewhere else. And this was a legitimate conversation. I remember back on, on 1290 on the big show, I mean, basically every morning for four or five months, I think most fans were still on the sign Dustin Bufflin train just because, you know, even though he hadn't reached the dominant level that he would, you know, for example, during the 2018 Western Conference Finals run, I mean, there was more than enough good to outweigh the bad. And it just like, you know, a defenseman, right shot, like there's so much harder to come by, not to mention everything about Buff that goes along with it. I think the overriding fan sentiment was still to make sure Buff was the guy over Andrew Ladd. But it was not seen as a slam dunk at the time by Kevin Chevalier and by the Jets management group. And I still remember, and, you know, we could... Talk to Gary Lawless to this day. He had an article out at the time that said the Winnipeg Jets had an offer on the table for Andrew Ladd. A six-year contract worth $6 million per season. The Winnipeg Jets, you know, at that time, if they had to make a decision, we're going to pick Andrew Ladd over Dustin Bufflin. At the very least, give Andrew Ladd the contract first and then maybe try to, you know, find a way to work in Dustin Bufflin. And, and so that's where the premise of this whole episode comes in here. So... In this alternate universe, Andrew Ladd does not turn down that 6x6 six six contract offered to him by Kevin Chevalier. 
he actually goes ahead and signs it. And this sets a whole number two storm into motion here, specifically when it comes to Dustin Bufflin and the Winnipeg Jets. But it also means that the first captain in Jets 2.0 history is looking like he's going to retire as a Winnipeg Jet. But what that means is, instead of Andrew Ladd heading to the Chicago Blackhawks in a trade, Dustin Bufflin ultimately ends up on the market and becomes one of the most desirable trade deadline players in, in recent memory. So despite Kevin Chevalier saying that he wants to sign Dustin Bufflin, he makes a late push to try to get a deal done. It doesn't work out and Bufflin's heading to the trade market. Going back to 2016 and, and just checking out the playoff teams at that time, to me, there were three teams that probably made the most sense to go after Dustin Bufflin in a trade. And oddly enough, the team that maybe was at the top of the list was actually the Florida Panthers. Yeah, the Florida Panthers in 2016 made kind of a, a surprise playoff run. And they were, I believe, second in the Atlantic at the time. So it would make sense for them, you know, trying to make a splash, all that sort of a deal. Why not go after Dustin Bufflin? So Florida would be one of the options. I, I didn't think Chicago would make sense because it looked like their D was set. The Dallas Stars were the other one. That was the year, where, you know, Kari Lednan and Lindy Ruff was the head coach. And Sagan and Ben, it was the high-flying stars before they became the, the veteran stingy stars. Bufflin would have been a really, really interesting add to that team. And then the final one was the Washington Capitals. Surprise, surprise. You know, trying to make a run to the Stanley Cup for the first time. You know, they ran away with the President's Trophy yet again. Could they have done it? They definitely had the assets. I think those were the three teams that would have made the most sense to go after Dustin Bufflin. And while Washington would have had, you know, looking back, the best trade package to offer which would have set it around a first-round pick and Jacob Verana. That would have been nice. Ultimately, I went with Dustin Bufflin heading out to the Sunshine State and getting traded to the Florida Panthers. And it kind of makes sense, too, because Dale Talon was running the Panthers back then. Obviously, Dale Talon, the one who drafted Bufflin, watched him grow up and succeed in Chicago. There's a lot of stars that connected here with this one. And so that was the trade that I think we ultimately saw happen. Dustin Bufflin shipped out to the Florida Panthers for a trade package, set it around, and we could add in, you know, picks and prospects here and there. But the main thing for this exercise is Dustin Bufflin was traded for a first-round pick and defensive prospect Mike Matheson. The name Mike Matheson does not sound like a lot for Dustin Bufflin or enough for Dustin Bufflin right now. But at the time, remember, Mike Matheson was a first-round pick and a player that played and starred for Team Canada at the World Championships. Like, he was really, really good for Team Canada, which ultimately led to Florida giving him that awful contract. But it would make sense why if you're trading Dustin Bufflin, you would want your own defensive prospect coming back for him and Mike Matheson was highly regarded at the time, so I think that's a fair trade package we consider this around. And it's funny, too, because I don't know if you guys remember this, but that 2016 Panthers team, their leading scorer was Yarmer Yager. I think he was 74 at the time, but imagine a team with Yarmer Yager and Dustin Bufflin on it. You have the ultimate workout warrior with somebody who doesn't like the gym as much, I just, I, I can't, and Roberto Luongo was on the team too. Like imagine 
speed in that locker room. Buff, Luongo, and Yager. Ultimately, though, it's not enough for the Florida Panthers in this universe. They do get past the New York Islanders in round one before falling to the Tampa Bay Lightning in round two. But, you know, having a taste of the Florida lifestyle and the sun and, you know, instead of fishing on the lake, Dustin Bufflin's ocean fishing, big game fishing, grabbing marlins and and whatever the hell else you grab out there. I, I don't know. I don't do fishing much. Dustin Bufflin falls in love with Florida. And he ultimately signs with the Panthers for seven years, $8 million per season. The Panthers want to try and make a splash and keep their run going to keep fan interest up out there in Sunrise. And Dustin Bufflin, well, he has a hell of a time for a few seasons before he pulls the chute with two years left to go at his deal. And he decides, you know what? I got enough of a tan. I'm heading back home to Minnesota and I'm spending the next 30 years at a cabin. And nobody really heard from Dustin Bufflin too much after that. But that was the story of Big Buff. Now we go to how this affected the Winnipeg Jets and all this. Ultimately, the Jets do end up finishing with the sixth worst record in the NHL, despite moving Dustin Bufflin. That ultimately gets them the lottery prize of second overall, and the Jets do select Patrick Liney. So nothing changes there. They also do trade up as well to get Logan Stanley in the first round because with no buff, the organization feels like there's a lack of size on the blue line and Logan Stanley is hopefully going to fit that spot a few years down the road. But the biggest immediate domino to fall in all of this with Dustin Bufflin being traded, and it sounds funny to say this now knowing how this story all plays out, But I believe, I really believe that if this happens, Jacob Truba agrees to sign a long-term deal to stay in Winnipeg. Now, hear me out on this. Now, this is the year, too, where Jacob Truba, you know, going into the upcoming season would hold out. You know, there was the letter to, I guess, the fans or to management or to whoever. And that was kind of the beginning of the end of Jacob Truba's time in Winnipeg. But I really do believe that he enjoyed being here. And I think a lot of his angst early on was the fact that he knew that as long as Bufflin was in Winnipeg, there wasn't going to be first-line minutes, first-line power play minutes, all the stuff that goes around with being the top dog. And I think that ultimately kind of set in motion Jacob Truba's path out of Winnipeg. But with no buff in the picture, I could see Jacob Truba, if the Jets offered him enough money and enough term, signing to stay in Winnipeg for the foreseeable future. And so that's what happens in all of this. Dustin Bufflin exits. Jacob Truba doesn't enter, but he doesn't leave and he stays here. And the Jets, along with signing Mark Shifley for six years, sign Jacob Truba for six years as well. They make a big commitment, $7 million per season despite him not really getting a chance to showcase maybe if he's worth that or not. But the Jets are willing to take the risk, and that's what happens. So with Patrick Liney in the fold, Jacob Truba happy and signed long-term, the 2016-17 season happens. And it's basically more of the same. The Jets failed to make the playoffs in this version just like they did in the real world. But the loss of Buff did prove to be more damaging as the team finished with the 8th worst record in the NHL as opposed to the 13th worst record. That's because while Jacob Chuba does good with Josh Morrissey beside him, 
Tyler Myers cannot fill the void of Dustin Bufflin. The team gives up a few more goals. They don't score as many with a power play that's just okay instead of really good. And that's the drop in points. Now, the jump from 8 to 13 in the draft isn't as positively monumental as you might think, the 2017 draft. But the big difference isn't the entry draft, it's the expansion draft. Because without Dustin Bufflin, the Vegas expansion draft becomes a whole lot easier for the Winnipeg Jets. That's right, this was the draft year where Vegas entered the league And this is for the first time where something positive comes out of the Jets' alternate timeline. Because with no buff in the mix, there's no need to make a side deal with Vegas to keep Toby Enstrom. No, this time, the Jets keep their first round pick and select 8th overall instead of drafting Christian Veselainen 24th. Now, Casey Middlestat, in case you forget, was Buffalo's pick in that slot at 8th overall. But Kevin Chevalier is a little more savvy than that. He's actually got his eye on a few other center prospects. And while it stings to pass on Martin Neckash, the Jets right or wrong and select Nick Suzuki with the eighth overall pick, changing fortunes with Vegas and setting themselves up eh, pretty nicely for the future down the middle. Unfortunately, though, because there's no trade agreement with Vegas, the Golden Knights get their pick of exposed Jets players, and yeah, it's a pretty big loss. It would be either Andrew Kopp or Joel Armia. I'm not sure who the pick would be. We can argue back and forth, but I'll lean towards Joel Armia getting selected by Vegas because of the first-round pedigree, and so Joel Armia doesn't last too long in this alternate universe. He's off to Vegas. He has a good time out there with the Golden Knights. Now we get to the big 2017-18 season. This is the one where the Jets, in our world, make their run to the Western Conference Final. The interesting part in this alternate universe, though, to me, is that even with Buff not a part of the picture, I still think the Jets make the same moves that kind of bit them in the ass during free agency leading up to this season. I still think they signed Steve Mason to push a young Connor Hellebuck in his first full NHL season. Right? Like, buff or no buff, I think the Jets go out there and get a veteran netminder to to push Hellebuck because the Jets, you know, while they were high on him, they weren't sure if he was going to be the guy right out of the gate. And and this is a bit of a sidebar. I still maintain that the move should have worked out or could have worked out. It's just Steve Mason could not have had a more unlucky time in Winnipeg. The team defense didn't show up his first few games. And then he got injured basically any time he stepped out on the ice. I'm a big Steve Mason fan. I think it could have worked out better for him. But either way, he's still here at Winnipeg in this scenario. And then I also think the Jets sign, whether or not it's Dmitry Kulikov or another veteran defenseman, maybe a Trevor Daly, who signed for three years, $3 million per season back then, I think the Jets make a move similar to that just because the pressure to compete that year was so immense. There was no patience anymore. People wanted results and they wanted it right now. And if anything, it would only exacerbate that because, you know, without Buff there, you probably needed another defenseman in the picture. So whether it was Kulikov or another guy, we'll say the Jets again looked somewhat similar in that regard this season as they did the year before. So how does it all play out? You have Morrissey Truba. You have the perpetually underrated Toby Enstrom with Tyler Myers. You know, maybe a Ben Sherratt with name your veteran guy there. 
And then Andrew Light in the mix up front as well. Well, the Jets get into the playoffs again, but they don't challenge Nashville this time for first in the West whatsoever. Instead, it's a battle for home ice against Minnesota, which the Wild actually end up taking in this scenario. Now, with Buffett of the picture, do the Jets take a swing at Paul Stasny at the deadline? I say they do. I, I think the decor would have been all right. And on top of that, Ian Cole was the biggest defenseman at the deadline traded in 2018. So I, I don't know if that would have moved the needle all that much anyways. I think the Jets still make the Stasny trade because, you know, Line A and Ehlers still would have needed a different fit because the Brian Little experiment hadn't worked out all well that year. So the Jets still trade their first round pick in Eric Foley to St. Louis for Paul Stasny. That allows... A bit of a reunition? Is that a word? Reuniting? Of Andrew Ladd and Brian Little together as the team's third line. Along with Matthew Perot, that line actually ends up being extremely effective for the team. And then you have a fourth line of Lowry, Kopp, and Roslovic, which makes the Jets pretty, pretty tough to match offensively in the NHL back in 2018. Now, we all remember that great playoff run. Sadly, it does not follow a similar path without the big man on the back end. No, in, in this universe, the Jets are able to squeak by a pesky wild team in six games. But despite a red-hot Mark Shifley, Nashville is too much to handle. And the Predators head to the conference finals after earning a six-game series win. I mean, look, Jets-Preds was an all-time series. An all-time matchup. And I'll still maintain to this day that Dustin Bufflin at that time, was playing the most impactful hockey on the planet. So if no Bufflin is in the picture, no way the Jets get past a really, really good Nashville team without him. So sadly, in the alternate Andrew Ladd-led Winnipeg Jets universe, no Western Conference Finals run in 2018. Now, in this timeline as well, the Winnipeg Jets aren't as pressed up against the cap as they were with Dustin Bufflin in the fold. So fortunately... There's no need to make an extremely putative Steve Mason trade. The team does end up moving them, but they only have to give up a mid-round pick this time around because, you know, there's not as much of a necessity to do so. That ends up being the good news. The bad news, though, is that with Toby Enstrom calling it quits in the NHL, the Jets are disgustingly thin on the blue line. But the club is hoping that Mike Matheson, the prize piece of the Dustin Bufflin trade, can step up and fill a role on the second pair beside Tyler Myers. The Jets are going to go cheap. They're going to go in-house to replace Toby Enstrom. As you may know, based off his NHL career to date, this did not play out well the following season in 2018-2019. And this is where things start to unravel pretty quickly for the Andrew Ladd-led Winnipeg Jets. With the underrated Toby Enstrom out the door and no safety net beside him, Tyler Myers and Mike Matheson struggle mightily as a pairing to keep the puck out of the net the following season. Connor Hellebuck's play suffers as a result of this, and the team gives up way too many goals that even their high-octane offense struggles to keep up with. That's because Andrew Ladd's regression begins to hit big time. He doesn't produce offensively while he's out there on the ice. I mean, injuries play a part of that, and he's not on the ice all that often because injuries force him to miss a large chunk of the season on top of that. This is only heightened by the fact that Patrick Laine, the preseason Rocket Richard favorite, sees his game just completely go in the toilet 
as he only scores 30 goals in a controversy-filled campaign. As you can imagine, this is the year from hell for the Winnipeg Jets. They're not in the playoff picture heading into the 2019 trade deadline. They're not anywhere close to the soon-to-be champion St. Louis Blues. And so with the team in seller's mode, a look at the pending UFAs at least brings a bit of hope through as Tyler Myers, despite his rocky season, is still seen as the most coveted blue line piece at the trade deadline. He's still six foot seven, still some promise there. A lot of teams are in on the Tyler Myers sweepstakes. Ultimately, the Winnipeg Jets are able to get back for Tyler Myers a first round pick from the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's right, Jim Rutherford loses his mind again and tries to get his team back to the promised land one year after watching the rival Capitals win the Cup. So the Jets miss out of the playoffs and do so pretty badly. They're not all that close, but at least there's two first-round picks to try to maneuver with and, and get back to where they were heading into the offseason. So the Jets find themselves with picks 12, their own, and then the 21st selection from the Penguins in the Tyler Myers trade. You can go two ways with this one, right? I mean, the team could make a couple of picks in the first round in 2019. You bolster the farm system. But with pressure mounting after missing the postseason and only one playoff series win to show for it since the Jets came back to Winnipeg, the club gets a little aggressive. And they actually move the 12th overall pick for a defenseman. Instead of heading to St. Louis, the Jets are able to nab Justin Falk from Carolina, who they then immediately signed to a long-term extension, the one he has with the Blues right now, actually, in this world, seven years, $6.5 million per season. A costly move for the Jets, and one that a lot of people aren't happy with, but one that becomes even more unpopular when the Hurricanes use that 12th pick to select a tiny goal-scoring machine out of the U.S. development team named Cole Caulfield. That's right, the Jets. I mean, the Jets are still able to nab Billy Hadela at 21 with the Penguins pick, which is actually one spot back of where he was originally taken. But with Patrick Liney in Winnipeg, the sense is there's less of a need to take a goal-scoring winger, and so the Jets are okay with passing on Cole Caulfield to make sure their blue line gets solidified. It is here, though... In the 2019 offseason, where the Andrew Ladd saga in Winnipeg comes to an end. That's right. With the team needing to cut salary cap space to make up for the addition of Falk and an impending Josh Morrissey extension, Winnipeg bites the bullet and they send Andrew Ladd off to the Arizona Coyotes. The cost of the deal? Jack Roslovic is the piece going back the other way. A tough price to pay but a necessary one for the Jets who get nothing in return but sweet, sweet, glorious cap space. On the bright side, though, Ben Sherrod is brought back on a short-term deal to pair with Justin Falk as the team's new second pairing, so that's good. Mike Matheson, again, the prize piece of the Dustin Bufflin trade, is left fighting for third pair minutes. There's, you know, not a whole lot that suggests he's going to be in the team's long-term future. So now we're entering the 2019-2020 season. This is the COVID-shortened year with the playoff bubble and all that. No Bufflin, no Andrew Ladd. The funny thing is that despite their worst efforts 
And despite the awful contract handed to Andrew Ladd, the Jets actually have a decent-looking team in all this. So a much better one than they did in real life, actually. I mean, losing Roslovic for nothing hurts, but this is mitigated by the fact that young Nick Suzuki is set to take his spot in the lineup, and early returns are that the kid has a ton of potential, might be a star one day even. And the blue line looks solid, of course, led by one of the top young pairs in all of hockey with Jacob Truba and Josh Morrissey. In fact, in this universe, with Ladd gone and Blake Wheeler now named captain, Jacob Truba himself has earned a letter after showing great leadership and maturity in a tough campaign the year prior, the Jets actually give Jacob Truba an A on his jersey. The Jets are able to get off to a strong start in 2019-2020, and they end up nabbing one of the four automatic playoff spots. After a Vesna-worthy year from Connor Hellebuck and a dynamic second line of Nikolai Ehlers, Nick Suzuki, and Patrick Laine. <laughs> the team doesn't defend all that well, right? With Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, Laine, Suzuki, Ehlers, but there's enough offense to go around and with Hellebuck playing as well as he is in the net. It doesn't matter all that much. And Winnipeg ends up dispatching a veteran-laden Dallas Stars team in the first round, unfortunately before ultimately falling to the high-octane Avalanche, who would go on to lose a tightly contested final to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But optimism is extremely high heading into the 2020-2021 campaign, the one that we just finished up, especially with the Jets moving into the all-new Canadian division, where the Maple Leafs are the lone challenger to the Jets for the division title. It did suck seeing Cole Perfetti drop to the 10th pick and Winnipeg unable to grab him after their playoff run. The Jets instead picked 23rd, but other than that, things are feeling pretty good in Winnipeg. Toronto does end up taking first spot in the North Division with the Jets finishing second, and the entire hockey world is salivating over a potential Leafs-Jets second round matchup, especially after Austin Matthews and an extremely content Patrick Laine duked it out all season long for the goal-scoring title. Laine Suzuki, by the way, is turning into a match made in heaven. It's the perfect pairing, and Ehlers on the other side helps out pretty good as well. But in a shocking turn of events, the Oilers stun the Leafs in the first round after Connor McDavid outscores the entire Toronto team in a six-game Edmonton series victory. It doesn't matter how many alternate timelines there are, they all have the Leafs losing in the first round. I pulled a Doctor Strange, I checked them all out. The Leafs always lose. But it sets up a great path for the Jets, who finally make their conference finals run after being close in 2018. Either way, though, doesn't matter which timeline, it ends up in heartbreak for the Jets in the conference finals because the Vegas Golden Knights knocked the Winnipeg Jets out. Hometown boy Mark Stone silences an empty Bell MTS place with the OT winner in Game 7 to send Vegas to the Stanley Cup Final where they fall to the back-to-back -back champion Tampa Bay Lightning. The Kraken expansion draft afterwards sees a tough loss for the Jets as Seattle selects Andrew Kopp. But optimism remains high in a pressure-filled year where the Jets, they feel the pressure. They got to make a run right away before Nick Suzuki is set to cash in his final year of his ELC. He's a point-per-game centerman now playing beside Patrick Laine 
and Nikolai Ehlers. And that concludes what if the Jets signed Andrew Ladd instead of Dustin Bufflin. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that, especially because I put way too much work into it. That's the main thing. I put enough work into it. I hope I hope people actually like this. But it is funny how, I mean, just one specific decision can create this butterfly effect and so many things are changed because of it. But I mean, maybe the one thing I learned the most here is just how much, not just, you know, coaches or GMs or players, but how much franchises can potentially change just because of a couple spots in the first round, right? Like, I mean, look, you could make a great pick in, in rounds two, three, four, whatever, and, and that changes a franchise, no doubt about it. But just even, you know, something as simple as picking 10th instead of 13th or, you know, 13th instead of 23rd. Like, I mean, going back to the Vegas expansion draft, I get why the Jets did what they did. You know, protecting Enstrom and making a run of the Stanley Cup. And hey, it almost worked to be fair, right? Like they, they were pretty damn close. But my God, can you imagine what this team could be this upcoming season with Nick Suzuki on it? Even if even if Liney ended up being traded, right? And it was just Suzuki and Ehlers on the second line, right? Like it's just wild how what seemed like such an innocuous decision at the time, you know, moving down in the first round to protect Toby Enstrom, ultimately bit the Jets pretty hard in the ass a few years down the road. The other interesting part with this is just wondering what Jacob Truba's career could have looked like or would look like if he was given full reins as the top dog and if he stayed here in Winnipeg. You know, a part of me kind of thinks, and I mean, you heard it there in the episode, but a part of me kind of thinks that Winnipeg would have their own pulak pellick pairing if Truba stayed in Winnipeg playing beside Josh Morrissey, but I guess we'll never know. The other funny part of this, actually, is that, you know, I looked it up, and, you know, with no Bufflin, with Truba signed to a long-term deal, even with Patrick Laine signed here as well, this team would have been cap compliant because Nick Suzuki was still on his ELC. Like, this whole scenario actually could have happened. I guess that's kind of the third and final intriguing, interesting tidbit to take out of this is, you know, what would Patrick Laine look like playing beside somebody like a Nick Suzuki, right? I mean, I don't think he's going to get that chance in Columbus this upcoming season, but there has to be a referendum on on what Patrick and who Patrick Laine is as an NHL player at some point here. It would have been super intriguing to see if he could have done that here in Winnipeg with a Nick Suzuki beside him down the middle. But alas... We'll never truly find that out, barring some, you know, crazy unforeseen circumstances by next year. But that concludes today's episode. That's it for the first part of this week. We're back on Friday with another episode for you guys. We'll get into the first few days of Burger Week. Some other fun hockey stuff, too. I mean, hey, if you guys have your own what-if scenarios, we can dive into that, too, and talk about that on Friday. Whatever Jets 2.0 moments you'd like to look back and, and see how things could have played differently on. But we'll definitely get into Burger Week here. I got my list of 18 like I told you last week. Can't wait to dive into it starting Wednesday. Super, super excited for that. But until then, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.